Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, hey, good morning. I, uh, man, I hope you've been tracking with us uh, through this series. This is the third week. First week we talked about, you know, the, the way that God has made us each uniquely, uh, given us personality traits that are different. We're all, we're all just, just made differently and that there's a place that he has for us there in, in this world because of that. The gifting that he's given us through his spirit and the impact uh, that each of us can have one to another and on, on the world through these special things, these supernatural things, these gifts that God has given us. Uh, I know that when we say that, you know, that's, uh, it can be kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I know we're all different. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to stand back in the back of the room and walk everybody, watch everybody walk in. Like, we're, 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 we're all different, you know, that's easy. I think I didn't really start to see it until uh, we started having kids and, uh, you know, you just assume they're going to they're gonna be like you or, uh, you know, what little Mark and Terry's would, would be like. And out of the four of them, uh, they couldn't be any more different. Uh, I think especially when we had the twins, they're, they're nine, uh, boy-girl twins, Jack and Darcy. And, uh, and if you met them, like, they're just they're, they're different. I mean, there's, there's the obvious, right? It's funny, when you, when you have twins, it, you get this question a lot. People will walk up and look and say, are, are they identical? Um, which there's just a few things that I've seen Terry get really mad about, but about the third time she got asked that question, uh, I could tell that she was holding back uh, words in response. <laughs> and, it, and then it got to be where it was just everybody would see. They look at me and go, hey, are, are they identical? And we're like, no, there's an obvious difference. There is an obvious difference. Um, but then the older they got, the more it was like, oh, these, these two kids are just different. So they just they started at a new school, and we had to fill out this thing for their teachers you know, kind of talking a little bit about their personalities. And, uh, and that was just a whole lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm writing this thing about Darcy, and she's a little Miss Social Butterfly, and, you know, she's never met a stranger, and she really cares what you think, and she kind of wears her feelings on her shoulders. And so, you know, we're trying to inform the teacher, hey, this is who she is, and so just, just be aware of that, you know. Talk a little bit about, hey, which teacher might be best that's going to be a little softer and care for her tender heart. Jack doesn't care what you think. He, he just doesn't care. And so you, I, I'm saying, hey, yell at him all you want. Good luck. See if you can have any impact because I haven't been able to yet. Uh, and that has also, I think that's the very thing maybe that makes him so funny because he's just kind of just dry. And he, if, if you see him, you should ask him to tell you a joke. It may be mildly inappropriate what he tells you, but uh, he is, he's just, he's just, he's just really funny. Uh, for instance, I get to be a part of this carpool group uh, this year. And so I had the, the kids in the car and the, this little girl, it was her birthday. And so I was just making a joke and I said, hey, are you turning 16? And she said, uh, no, I'm not turning 16. And Jack says, well, you know, when you turn 18, that's when a person becomes a man or a woman. 
And they were all like, oh. And the little girl goes, oh, Jack, that's gross. And he, he sat there for a minute, and then he just kind of looked back and he said, well, it's the facts of life. It's just, it's just the facts of life. You're going to have to accept it. <laughs> uh, things like that are happening all the time, and it's usually those that I wish I could write. I was driving. I was like, man, if I could write that down so I don't forget it. Um, but, you know, we are. We're, we're different. And I, I, as, as I've worked through these things this, these last few weeks and just thinking about the way that God has, has made me unique and the giftings and things that I, I think that he's, he's done in my life and the way that he chooses to use me, um, you know, I've, I've taken all those personality tests, and I'm all over the place. Um, I'm not really sure what I am exactly. I could tell you real clearly, and when I took those tests when I was 20, it was like, man, this is clearly who I am. And now, like, I don't, I'm not that guy anymore, uh, which may be your experience. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that uh, Jesus has done a work in my life, and some of those really sharp edges have been smoothed off a little bit. He's, he's changed me a little bit, and I'm, I'm a lot softer than I was then. I'm, I'm different in some ways. Hopefully, they're, they're the good ways that I'm different, but, you know, my personality is... But, but Mark is who he is. If you, if you met me then and you met me now, you'd be like, you know, I'm, I meet people that I knew back then that haven't seen me in a long time. It's like, hey, there's still, he's still the same guy, you know? Um, there's a few things that over time I've seen that it seems like when I'm in that place... God tends to do, do something. You know, this, this is one of those, one of those things. My, my first time to try to teach the Bible in front of a group was, uh, I was in seventh grade. And uh, it was like a youth Sunday at church. And uh, they let me, I don't know what they were thinking, but they let me have the mic for 20 minutes or so. And, um, and I've just noticed through the years that there's, there's this thing that happens, not in this moment necessarily for me, but in the, the days leading up to this, uh, the, the morning before, this, this wrestling and dancing with Jesus over this passage and me understanding it really well and me trying to process for me what this means and, and then trying to figure out how to simplify that, articulate it in such a way that it might help somebody. Like, like that, that process between me and Jesus is just really special to me. So usually my prayer before I get up here is like, man, I, I hope somebody gets something good out of it. But uh, if you don't, like, like just, just for me, the seasons of my life that, that there wasn't any of this were just some really dry seasons for me. And I realized, you know, this is something that he, he wants me to be a part of. You know, he wants me to be doing this. Uh, another thing I've noticed is that I just, I really enjoy having deep, real friendships with people that aren't necessarily of faith. Um, or of a different faith that I get to just befriend and talk about my love for Jesus. <laughs> um, that's a place that when I'm in those moments, I just feel like, God, man, God, God's like, this is good. <laughs> this, this is good, Mark. You need to do more of this. Um, so for you, you know, what is that discovery as you, as you begin to just live life, interact with people? What are those things? Another big piece in what we're going to talk about this morning is the way that experiences, the experiences that we've had in our life, begin to shape who we are, the way we see things, our perspective, and also our ability to help other people. And um, in fact, just this weekend, I've got a friend, he and his wife just lost a baby. And even though Terry and I didn't have the exact same experience, we had, we had something very similar happen to us. And I just immediately am compelled to reach out to this friend 
and to meet him where he is. And the, the confidence that I have in that is that I, I understand. I, I know what he feels, you know? I, I felt that before. I, I know the things that people said, uh, the things people said to me that they meant for good but hurt. I know the things that people said to me that were helpful. I know the difference between those two things. And I'm compelled, I must love on this brother in this moment because I know <laughs> that, I, that I get him and that I can be helpful. And I, I think that's important. Not everybody can in that situation. You, if you've lived it, then now you have a different perspective and a voice to speak. In the same way, there's some things that I just know that I haven't experienced. And because I haven't, it makes it very difficult for me to enter into those conversations and be helpful. Uh, for instance, I mean, my, my parents were high school sweethearts, and they are still married today. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and they love each other. Like, like they actually like, like each other, spend time together and enjoy it, <laughs> kiss and stuff. I mean, like, like they really, they're really in love. And so I'm, because I didn't come from a divorced household, it's more difficult for me to understand um, Terry is, is, is a child of divorce. And so as we've been married and trying to work through things and me understand from, from secondhand, <clears throat> it's helped me get a little bit better grasp on it, but I always feel like I don't completely get what that would feel like to be from a divorced home. And there are other things that are like, like that, that you and I are different. You've had a different set of experiences. And so you're able to help in a way that I, that I just can't. And so today what I want to look at, uh, two different places where Paul is writing to a church, and um, there's kind of a backdrop. We're going to look at Philippians and kind of the backdrop of this passage. He's talking to them about giving and supporting his ministry. But what we see here, and what I want to bring, bring attention to today, is the way that the things that he's experienced, then he's able to speak to them with a new set of lenses. And so let's look at it, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. So they've, you know, they're, they're giving to support his ministry. He says, indeed, you were concerned before, but you had no opportunity to show it. And, and now you've met this opportunity and actually are, are supporting me. But he says, I, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. All right, now hold up. So, that, so they're giving to me the need, right? But he says, I'm not, I'm not saying it because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the famous verse, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, it's usually on like a track T-shirt. Like I can, I can run the race because Jesus can make me strong. And hey, yeah, there's, there's some truth to that. But what is he really saying? I can go without meals and still be happy. I cannot have the latest thing or as much as the next person next to me or that thing that everybody seems to want. I, I can be content. I don't need it. So I've learned this secret. And you better believe that he didn't, Learn that from just studying about it, talking about it. He's had moments where he was well-fed, and he knows what that's like. And he's had experiences and moments where he went without food, 
And so he knows what that's like, to have a roof over his head and not to have that, to have the things, to not have the things. And I guarantee you it's, uh, it's in those moments of being hungry and without that he's learned this, this secret. And wouldn't you agree it's a, it's a, it's a secret and it seems very elusive Con- to be content? If you've had moments of that or you have a friend or have met somebody who's content even in the moments when they don't have the things, you know, and they're happy and at peace and joy and they're, they're content, that's supernatural and special. And it's a, it's a secret. And he says he's discovered this, this secret in those moments. And life is just really different when you discover some of these secrets. What is the secret for you? From your life experiences, what are those things that you've walked out from those things on the other side of it? And you're like, you learned something, and it's something really special, and it's something that you only could have learned by going through a trial or a situation like you went through. I was thinking about this the other day. I went Friday night um, to watch my nephews play football in Tulsa. And um, my, uh, you know, my dad and my brother were up in the stands, and we're watching the game. And one of my nephews is a linebacker, and that's the position I used to play on defense. And... And I'm just watching, and I'm thinking, and I look at my dad, and I'm like, man, you know, every time I watch a high school game, I think back and just wish that the things that they taught us when I played football in college, if I had known that set of secrets, those, those things, those tools, if I had known that in high school, it would have been so much fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it would have been a joke. It would have been like, you know, playing out on the playground, and just everything coming easy to me, because... Because they're just a couple of key things that they taught. Like, like we would spend the first 10 minutes of practice, the coach would take the ball and he would move it one way or the other, and we had to take a step forward with that side foot. And, if, you know, my freshman year, I'm like, what in the world are we doing? And then over time, I started to realize it's this muscle memory. We're in the games. What would happen is if the ball went that way, I would immediately move forward that direction. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but if you watch my high school films, I'm like going like this. And then some old lineman will come out and block me. That one step can change everything. The other thing is you can look up at the O-line and you can watch their feet. And their feet will tell you right where the play is going to go. Why didn't anybody tell me this? I'm dancing around back there getting blocked trying to find the running back. And all along, these guys are, are screaming at me. It's going right here. Just go there. So I'm telling my dad this. I'm like, man, why didn't they tell us this? And he looks at me and says, because Mark, your coach is had never done that before and didn't know. How could they know the secrets? They haven't been in that spot before. We know some secrets in this room. Maybe it's the secret of contentedness. Maybe there's another secret that you've learned. But these secrets come through our life experiences and God wants to use them. A little bit further down in that passage, let's look at uh, verse 17. It says, not that I desire your gifts, Paul says, what I desire more is that is what's credited to your account. So he's saying, hey, this is, you guys are giving, but I want you to understand my perspective on this thing. It's not that I want your gift. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Not what my account is credited, but your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. I'm good. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. But here's the way I see them. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs 
according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see what he's saying? <laughs> he's like, listen, this whole giving thing, I've learned the secret of being content, and I'm actually in a, in a, in a good place, but you still, you need to do it because of you. Because when you give, it's a fragrant offering, and it pleases God. It makes him happy. It's a good thing. And then you also get to learn this really incredible thing that God meets your needs. This is a Godward thing between you and God. And I, yeah, I, I get to receive these gifts, but, but I don't need them. <laughs> but you need to give. This isn't about my, this is about your need. This is about your account. You know, I'll, I'll just, I mean, as being somebody that's on uh, the Grove church staff, I mean, yeah, I appreciate your gifts. <laughs> you know, there's a degree to which the food that's on my, my table for my family is because the people in here are, are faithful to give. But do you, do you see what he's saying here? The perspective of it, though, is even if there was zero need, you giving is about you and your relationship with God, and that's, that's incredible and important. How did he get this perspective well, he's, he's been at this a while, and, you know, he's been supported on these missionary journeys and planting these churches and, and these different things, and he's seen the credit in the account of the people that give and the vice versa when somebody is, is holding back and stingy, the difference that it makes. He's experienced it. You know, uh, perspective is often gained in evaluation of the past, which is just a fancy way of saying hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? It is. And so once you've made the way down that road and you've gone along in that journey, you can look back and you have a different set of eyes to look at life. And you're able to help people who are in that part. You know, this is the way I've tried to explain to my teenage boys the role that I'm trying to play as a dad in their life is to tell them where the landmines are I'm like, Ellie, listen, I'm not going to try to tell you what all to do, but I am going to tell you this. I've walked the road that you're on right now. That thing that you're dealing with, maybe not exactly, but, but pretty close. And if I didn't, I've got buddies who did. And I know where the landmines are. I know where my scars are from the ones I stepped on. I know the buddies that I have that lost legs or lost their lives because they stepped on. And I can tell you where they are. Now, whether they choose to listen or not, you know, that's a whole other story. But, but that's what I'm doing. I've got perspective that you can't have. You can't have it. You haven't been down that road. We've got another guy. Roger Harris, would you come on up? We've got a guy that, will you clap him up, please? When I think about this, uh, Roger was the guy for me that immediately came to mind. Um, he is a part of our elder team. Obviously, he is the elder of the elders. Uh, <laughs> which I mean with all seriousness because, um, you know, you look around the room and there's, there's some gray hair. I mean, I'm starting to get a little bit myself, but there's not, there's not a ton of it. And so there's, there's some wisdom. But when I, when I get around Roger, I just feel like these things, uh, these secrets, this, this perspective... This, this wisdom, you know, that life is, has given him. 
And uh, just so you know, he's, he's usually in the back of the room uh, praying for us, praying before we start in the morning, walking to the church, praying. He would love to pray with you. Uh, he's always back there and available. Uh, Carol, his wife, serves faithfully back there in Grove Kids, and uh, they're just amazing. They're in our small group and great friends of ours and mean a lot to us. So I appreciate you coming up here, man. Hey, speaking to this, what is a, a secret that life has taught you that if you could, if you could go back and talk to Roger at 20... You'd tell him. Um, well, uh, at 20, uh, I was serving in the Air Force in Thailand. So uh, the, the list would be really long. Uh, <laughs> but, but to narrow it down, I think uh, I would land on uh, forgiveness uh, to learn and to dig into and to practice uh, forgiveness um, uh, in the way that God... Uh, has forgiven me and forgiven us uh, to forgive myself, uh, first of all, just to learn how to do that. There's going to be, there's going to be uh, bad choices. Uh, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be uh, some hurtful things happen. That's just the way of life. And uh, uh, to choose to uh, face up to it and acknowledge it uh, and, and, and my part in it, um, and to uh, practice that forgiveness for myself and, and, and to others uh, and move forward in life, enable myself to move forward in life without the baggage of the bitterness and the anger uh, and the separation uh, that comes when we don't do that, uh, I think is just a, a life-changing practice. Hmm. Yeah, that's gold, man. Is there an event in your story that uh, radically shifted your perspective like I was talking about? Uh, well, again, there's, well, as, as the elder, uh, <laughs> there, there's been many, but uh, one, one in particular was just a, a, a really big turning point. Um, Carol and I had served uh, in the church for a number of years, and then um, I felt a call into full-time ministry and uh, uh, went through a course of study preparing for that, and that the age of 48, uh, went on staff at a church in central Arkansas as a youth pastor. Um, and that was pretty unique. Uh, had a great experience and uh, uh, spent a year there um, with, with, with some really good times and good results. And then um, made a decision to go with our lead pastor who took a church in, uh, outside of Chicago. Um, made a decision uh, to go with him and be on staff there. And... Uh, yeah, just a condensed version. This, uh, without going into detail, it it did not go well. It was not a good fit. It was not a good situation, and uh, it just it fell apart. Uh, uh, so, in a matter of about two years, uh, we had left our home, we left our home church, left our family, uh, moved to a completely different culture and climate, and it all fell apart and uh, felt uh, abandoned by God and our church, uh, just felt totally alone. A uh, lot of questions, a uh, lot of anger, um, a lot of confusion. And uh, in that, uh, God sent uh, a group of just beautiful, uh, loving people uh, to surround us and support us and encourage us uh, and through them provide uh, for our needs. In, in ways that uh, 
I'd just never experienced before. Uh, and, it, and it changed us and it enabled us to uh, work through that work th and, and, and make the decision to uh, uh, continue to follow God and, and seek him out and uh, just try to do his will uh, in our life. Hmm. Well, man, have you, have you um, how have you seen God take those experiences and use them in the lives of other people? People that are around you? Oh, sure. Uh, I, there's, there's rarely a, a, a day that goes by, it seems, that I'm not reminded in some way of, uh, of a circumstance or a situation that happened during that time. Looking back on it, it seems like there was maybe 10 years just condensed down in the two. There's so much. Even, even now, things will happen. I'm re reminded of, of, of something that happened or something that I learned. Uh, also, during that time, during that two-year period, uh, I lost uh, three people, too, that were probably my, my greatest mentors in life and one uh, a person that had become my best friend. Mm -hmm. So going through that process, that sense of loss and everything that had happened uh, through, through that in church, the, the, the things that I learned uh, through that process and what I learned from those folks coming in and supporting us, uh, I gained... Uh, much like what you were talking about, I gained an empathy in a lot of different areas that I that I never had before, and and I don't know if I ever would have. Mm. That I've been able to uh, speak into the life of people that God has has sent my way, mm. uh, and and m as important as anything is that uh, God is always at work redeem redeeming. And reconciling, I am convinced that there's no situation or circumstance that he cannot uh, redeem for his glory. Hmm. Man, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons that... Uh, that I felt so loved by, by Roger in the time that, that we've been here is that we've got a similar story. I've, I've got some church hurt uh, from my background and um, I lost a friend that was really close to me and it, and it just seems like when, um, even early on before I knew the stories, <laughs> uh, that it just, I just felt seen and heard and understood by Roger. And where, where does that come from? Well, it comes from, like, you know, he, he's, he's been there. We've, we've got, like, experiences, and he's, he's got uh, a few years on me that he can speak into it and speak wisdom and, and help me in those places. And uh, it seems like it's, it's really important, too, just to recognize that most of those things that happen uh, that, that seem to have the most impact are usually the hard, it's the hard things, you know? It's the tough things. It's the bad decision, maybe. Um, or the bad decision of somebody else that impacted me. It, it's, it's those hard places. In fact, uh, the second passage, the final one here as we close out, uh, I want to read you from 2 Corinthians. And this is a place that, that Paul's talking to this church and, you know, some guys have come in. He says, that he, he says a couple times they're super, super apostles. They, uh, they talk heavily, you know, about themselves, kind of talk themselves up. And Corinthians have bought into it. And, and Paul's kind of coming back in and saying, hey, hey, be careful. 
Like, don't, don't, don't forget, don't forget about me, but I, I don't really want to play this game that they're playing where they talk themselves up. But he's like, man, if I got to brag, I guess I will. And it's a really interesting passage. You should read it, uh, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, because he's like, this is foolishness for me to talk like this, but I'm in this, I'm in this spot where I got to kind of defend my role and my place and to make sure you listen, you know, have an ear for me. So then he's, he tells them his resume. And then he's like, but it's foolishness for me to talk like this. But then he tells them a little bit more. I'll read you a little section of it. He, he says, uh, far greater labors, uh, far more imprisonments with countless beatings uh, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was in danger of this and danger of that and all these things. Like this is, this is my, my pedigree, my, my resume. But then he, then he goes on down. Uh, and in chapter 12, verse 9, he says, he's talking about these difficult these, and he says that Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my, my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> so the resume that talks about all of his strengths, he's like, that's foolishness. Let me tell you where the real power rests. Not in, in what I can do, but what, what he can do. And the weaker that I am, the more that it displays his power. So it's actually in the areas of my weakness that he flexes his muscles the most, that he shows off in my weaknesses. And I think, uh, I'm trying to say it this way, you know, qualification for, for impact and, and ministry in the lives of other, others is earned a lot of the times, most of the time, is earned in the moments that we least enjoyed, you know? You know? In, in the hard places. And... We're real, real quick to take those moments and those things and those parts of our story and to try to put them, you know, under the rug and, and not, not talk about them because they show our weakness. But it's actually those things that God uses the most, at least in my experience, I've seen that be true. It's, tho it's those things. One thing for us that is still, it's, it's, it's baffling to me. I was telling somebody about it this last week. Uh, part of what I do is to help uh, this group of people who live overseas and uh, trying, to, trying to plant churches and do things for, for the Lord there. And um, I'm often in these conversations where I'm helping them, you know, kind of work through their calling and uh, work through the hardships of living overseas and work through decisions about should they be there or should they go, should they stay, should they, what should they do and how do they deal with life in that place. And, um, and often, like I was talking about Roger understanding, they'll, they'll say something like, man, I, I appreciate that you, that you get it what, it, what it feels like to be in this spot. Well, what some of them know, or usually I'm speaking from, is the fact that when Terry and I got married in 97, uh, for, for the, the, that first, you know, six, seven years, eight years, we 
found out we were really different, and we also found out that we didn't agree on what God wanted us to do with our life. And so there was just this constant struggle between us that was always present and always kind of bringing a, some division. And uh, it wasn't until like 2006 that we kind of got on the same page, and we, we agreed that, that we felt like God wanted us to move our family overseas. And so we sold everything that we had, and we left, never planning to come back again. And I, I'll tell you the truth, man, we hit, we hit the ground, and I'm like, all right, this, this issue, this problem that I was, never could find resolution to, God has miraculously answered the question, and now here we go. And then three years later, with a lot of different circumstances, he left no doubt that he wanted us to move back here. And I'm going to tell you, in 2010, when we got off that plane and had returned back to Arkansas, I was just in a daze for, I don't know, maybe a couple years. Uh, just confused, hurt, questioned my faith, questioned myself, questioned everything. What, what, what was that all about? <laughs> like all of this build up, all of this miraculous thing that God has done. And then this? And when I'm in these conversations and I'm able to understand and speak and help, I realize why. God was doing something in the moments, the moment that I most felt like I didn't know where he was. And he uses that for his glory. And you've got something too. You've got something that's in your story. And we, we need it. We need the secrets that you learned from that. We need that perspective. We need it. The person next to you needs it. The person in your small group or the small group that you need to be in, they need it. They need it because it will help them in that very same moment. And you're the only one that can do it. I can't do it because I didn't have your set of experiences and you didn't have mine. So let me pray that God would, would use these things in our, in our body. Father, I am thankful that when you bring us all together, a community of faith, that you, you do. You've, uh, you've given us each different personalities, different gifts, different talents, and you've given us these different experiences. And um, Father, you take even the most broken of those and you redeem it. And you do beautiful things with it. And it's in our very, <laughs> our very weakness that you show off. And so, Father, I, one of the things I love about the Grove, and I pray that would become more and more and more true, that we allow you to do that. We don't try to hide it, but we allow you to take who we are and show off who you are. And, um, Father, I pray that you would you do that to your glory. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast, and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.